Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. It's Ryan in my review on today's morning shot. And we are talking about condo maintenance fees. They are under spotlight not too long ago for perhaps the wrong reasons. You might have heard about this. Condo development dairy farm residences has reduced their maintenance fees by about 40%. That's indeed. Now, that's after residents who received their temporary occupation permit letters complained about a sudden increase in charges after calculations. This amounted to over $700 a month, more than double of what was originally marketed. Ryan, you live in a condo. I do as well. How much maintenance fees do you pay monthly? Yeah, mine's pretty much on the low end of the <laughs> spectrum. It's about $300. So I think the typical range is around four to 500 So I think one of the factors going for my compound is we've got 1,400 units. So we've got the economies of scale. Yes. How about you? What is the <laughs> rate that you're paying right now? I'm paying a slightly higher rate, I would say, uh, perhaps more than slightly. It's over $1,000 a month okay. and we don't have the benefit of economies of scale, just 96 units. Okay, so that's <laughs> one of the many factors that you know, contribute to the calculation. That's right. And it seems hazy how such fees are calculated and what's a fair amount to charge. But our guest today will help us wrap our heads around it a little. For more insights, we're joined by Edward T. He's an Associate Professor of Law and Urban fellow at the Singapore Management University, as well as a consultant at Wong Partnership. Welcome to the show, Edward. Morning, Ryan and Ima. Happy to be here. Happy to have you on. Edward, we know that maintenance and sinking fees are collected by unit owners or subsidiary proprietors. What are these fees used for and how important are they? Well, I think they're, they're very important because obviously when you're staying in a multi-owned building, which is essentially what a condominium is, you need to pay for the roof, you need to pay for, to keep the lights on, to keep the swimming pool pump coming along. So, you know, if you stayed in a landed property, all these maintenance costs would have to be borne by the individual owner. But in the condominium, you, know, you have to collectively come together and make sure that these bills are paid, the security guards, etc., and, you know, if you have a garden, do you want flowers in the garden or do you want just, you know, a very simple landscape? So all of these go towards both the quality and, and therefore the quantity that, that you have to pay, which is why, as you were mentioning earlier, about the economies of scale for, for larger condominium units and obviously denser units. Yeah, Edward, like you pointed out, a lot of bills to pay just to keep the lights on, all the guards you need and all the operations going on. So I guess this brings to mind, how do you calculate how much to collect? Because you have to buffer for contingency events sometimes, like maybe the lift breaks down, a swimming pool needs to be renovated. How much more above the operational level do you actually try to buffer into these fees? Yeah, so I think you're talking about the sinking funds there, right? So, mm. you you know, you every seven years or so, you need to repaint the building. You need to, as you say, buffer for breakdowns. And obviously, as the building gets older, the buffer might increase. Uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be an estimate based on, you know, you might get three quotes or any number of quotes that you think will, will be needed. And obviously, some of the uh, contractors that you adopt will have some sort of regular servicing. You know, if the development, for example, has central air conditioning, how often do you want the guys who do the gym to come down and make sure that everything is safe and not rusty, for example? So there are a lot of things to take into account, you know, deciding what is the number. But I think what's important to note is that the monies paid into the 
management corporation strata title actually belong to the uh, subsidiary owner. So it's part of the common property in that sense. All right, Edward. Now, it seems rather logical, right? The maintenance fee typically calculated based on the share value of each unit. So condo owners with larger teams or units with better views maybe may have a higher share value and therefore pay higher maintenance fees. Are there any gray areas surrounding this? Well, there's not a perfect correlation between the number of share values and how much the particular unit is worth. You're right, it's usually based on the number of shares. A unit with with better view is not likely uh, going to have to pay more Mm. MCSD fees. Uh, So it's based on the share value. But the share value, you know, does not necessarily correlate with the size. So it's not an exact approximation. It's not an exact science in Singapore. Whereas in in other jurisdictions like Australia, the number of uh, strata shares attributed to each unit is proportional to the market value of the unit, at, at least at the time of the launch. That's a good point, yeah. right? Because when you look at what happened with the reform residences, they apparently were promised or at least marketed with a certain range of what they were expected to pay. Then along the way, that number changed. So from a legal perspective, how does it work? Is it fair? Is it okay for these things to change as it is? No, how does it work when you try to change the fees? What needs to happen? Who needs to agree? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the fees in the dairy farm situation uh, were changed by the developer owner, right? So the developer may be considered to be the owner of the site originally. Mm-hmm. And their job, of course, is to hand over the units to the owners probably sometime before the first AGM. At that stage, the owners can decide how much they want to collect because it's, it's an owner-led decision. Uh, at an earlier stage in the dairy farm situation, I think the developer probably had certain estimates that they were working off. And, you know, as I said, how much you choose to pay for maintenance or how much the developer quotes you, of course, depends a lot on the quality of the maintenance and obviously how competitive these quotes are. So the developer, you know, does have some, uh, I think, certain duty to be reasonable in giving these estimates. But at the end of the day, especially after the first AGM, it's up to the owners to, to see how much they want to pay based on the estimates that they find. And obviously, when, it is, when the MCSD is run by the owners, there might be more self-interest because the MCSD members are also subsidiary proprietors who have to bear the MCSD fee. Yes, I suppose uh, that's a good point, right? So you have the MCSD in place, you'll vote for it. Um, but before that, I guess the caveat is you know, it's subject to change and that's in the developer's hands. So I suppose a bit of a grey area when it comes to what's being set out in the brochure and what is going to happen along the way. So I suppose you brought up a good point as well when you talk about the different interests because some will be long-term stayers, some will be short-term stayers and they will have different uh, motivations for you know, being able to pay for a sinking fund, for example. Yes, yes, that, that's right. And you know that certainly these interests come to fall if the development subsequently becomes collectively sold or goes by on block. And, you know, because no matter what stage that you come in, you do own a proportionate share of the whatever reserves the condominium has in proportion to your share, even if you have been a day-old owner versus somebody who's been contributing for many, many years. Because that is supposed to have been taken into the price that you pay when you come in. Okay, when we talk about the protection for the funds, and I suppose it's going to be under purview of the MCST and the council to make sure that they are lawfully spent. Yes. 
certainly. So subsidiary proprietors, for example, you know, are entitled to audited accounts of the FCSC. The FCSC is regarded as a body corporate. You know, that's, that's obviously after the owners have taken over. From the time that the developer was running the development, so to speak, they are also entitled to ask for documentation and uh, any paperwork to show how the money was spent. Right? Because there is a fiduciary duty to ensure that the money is properly spent uh, on behalf of the owners. Obviously, at a very granular level, I say Gardener X is, being, is charging this amount versus Gardener Y charging this amount. I, as an individual subject provider, won't be able to know, you know, is this number actually fair because Gardener X might be providing more services, you know, more fertilizer, or I make sure that the whole flower bit is covered, etc. So the granular decisions might be difficult to police in that sense. All right, Edward, in the event that homeowners decide, uh, come to a consensus or an agreement that lower maintenance amount is sufficient to maintain the development, is this possible? Yes, certainly. So the, the, at the general meeting, whether it's the AGM or, or EGM, the owners can come together, they can take a vote, and they can decide to reduce or at least freeze the MCSD fee, depending on how much reserve the MCSD has. Um, and I think a few developments, you know, both commercial and residential, during the pandemic, they decided to reduce fees because they had mm. a certain buffer that they were comfortable. Or, you know, they could say, you know, we... If it's a smaller development, for example, they might say we don't need the pool anymore, right? Very some certain small developments, let's say 30 units, might say we don't need the pool, so we'll just cover it up with cement. We don't need to pay for the pool anymore. So it's really up to them what they want to do with the common property because subsidiary proprietors, they own their particular unit and they also own a share of all the common property, including the fees that they pay. So it's really up to the owner's collective will. All right, a great overview of what's playing out when it comes to condo maintenance fees. We've been chatting with Albert T. He's an associate professor of law and urban fellow at the SMU as well as consultant at Wong Partnership. Albert, thanks for the time this morning. No worries. All right, stay Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.